0: You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.
1: Come with your family. Come with your friends. That's the Rocky Point tradition. Cause it's summertime again. Rocky Point. Thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. This podcast is being presented by the Warwick Center for the Arts, located next to Warwick City Hall, where amazing artists showcase their artwork year-round in their beautiful gallery, in addition to many exciting classes for children and adults. Our guest today is George LaCrosse. He is an amusement park enthusiast and manager of some websites and has produced some DVD content on amusement parks. I thought it'd be interesting to have him come back and talk a little bit more about Rocky Point, one of our favorite subjects, and especially if it's haunted houses or fun houses. George, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Scott. Uh, We kind of left off the last time we were here uh, inside the park, and I know there was one other ride that... A lot of people would like to know a little history on. Uh, if you could talk to us before we get into the fun houses about the flume.
0: Yeah, that was uh, quite the acquisition. Um, again, I had said in the earlier podcast that the park had cleared away the kiddie rides. To, and, and we were always wondering what was going to go on that footprint. And as it turned out, the uh, they made an announcement that there was going to be a million dollar flume. And there was a company from Japan, I believe it's pronounced sense sensei okay that uh they were the ones who actually uh installed it or they designed it basically and um they had done one at um park over in uh, cleveland ohio previously so they came in and they worked with the uh staff of rocky point to install that ride and uh, it made quite the splash, pardon the pun, <laughs> when, it, when it opened. It uh, didn't open on time, I don't believe. They had a lot of, you know, some bugs to work out. But uh, and they made some modifications on it over the years. But um, uh, it was quite the ride. It had quite the reputation. And again, very unusual for a, a smaller, you know, uh, park to have a ride like that. Those are usually rides that were reserved for your theme parks, like your Six Flags and so forth, you know um in uh the facebook page that i'm an administrator of we have a lot of really nice pitches that somebody uh let us borrow that show the japanese crew working with the uh the pot crew putting that ride together in um spring, uh, winter and spring of 1971
1: and it was a great ride to have when it was about 135 degrees on that tar you would get people and in, and in They would wait for the certain body composition people, and whether it was heavy people, light people, it seemed to matter more about which log float that you went down the big, huge hill with as to how much spray would come off. And if the wind was just right, you could get completely soaked, and about 10 minutes later or a couple of specific rides like the Music Express or a couple of others, you'd be cool again, but you'd be dry and cool.
0: Absolutely, I, I never did that to be honest with you, um, but I did ride it quite a bit. And the th- the thing, comparing this to other flumes, uh, it was completely elevated. The trough was completely elevated, so it must have been very. I can see why it was so expensive to install it. Some of the uh, the flume rides, like the ones at uh, the one at Candibee uh, Lake Park in New Hampshire is a, uh, inverted trough into the, into the concrete, and you do come out of, come off it to go up the lift hill and so forth and splash down, but it, um, you know, uh, that Rocky Points was completely elevated and through the woods, so it, it really made for a a very unique ride.
1: And I know we wanted to get to, uh, let's talk about, um, maybe you could help me out with the difference between a fun house and a haunted house.
0: Okay, well, the way, in the industry, what we refer to them as is fun houses or walkthroughs, okay. And um, the, the, like the House of Horrors was a dock ride, a single rail dock ride where you ride it in on a car. Um, uh, a fun house, per se, would be something like Rocky Point did have when it opened and uh, reopened in 1948. They had a, a fun house with mirror maze and... Um, you know, tricky floors and it, uh, compressed air would blow up and lift lady skirts and that kind of thing. And that was your traditional type of fun house. It wasn't a scary ride, but there are some rides that are called haunted walkthroughs that you walk through, and they're, they're you know like a fun house. You walk through them, but there's it, you know you have eerie uh, set design and sound effects, and uh, sometimes like floor pads you step on and something you know a papier-mâché head will light up really quickly in complete darkness and give you a jump scare. So, uh, there's actually, th- so I guess it, uh, there's really three different distinctions.
1: I know I went to a walkthrough in Riverside Park back in the day that I was uh, explaining to our tech guy here just yesterday that they had people outside that were almost like mannequin people, very slow moving, and it set the tone just going in that you were scared to death just to go in.
0: Yeah, I, I do remember that one. Uh, originally, when I think I rode that and I uh, went f- walk through it in the '60s. It was just a, it was a fun house. It was well lit, but they uh, converted it into Frankenstein's Castle, I think. And that's when you had, you know, the animated figures outside, and they, that became more of a haunted walkthrough at that point.
1: And the Rocky Point version that most people knew in the latter part of the history of the park was the one car ride through. So when did that really come to be?
0: Um, well, uh, Rocky Point debuted uh, with um, in 1948 when it reopened with a laugh in the dock, which was uh, a ride that probably most of you didn't see. I saw it because I went there in 1962, and that was actually the last year for it. Um, during, which is interesting about when I went there in 1962, was they were building the Castle of Terror. They were converting across the midway from the Laugh in the dock. They were building Castle of Terror, which uh, they were using the Big Fun House as as the building. They gutted the inside of it out, and the park staff was actually, you know, putting that all together. And that debuted in 1963 as the Castle of Terror, and in 1970 they changed the name to House of Horrors. Um, It's kind of a long uh, reason for that, and they probably wouldn't want to bore the listeners with that, but uh, basically, it was a castle, not a house, but the sign was something that they had um, recycled from some other ride, and that's why they had that, that up there, because they, uh, you know, I guess the, the Castle of Terra sign was uh, succumbing to age, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I know that was probably one of the last physical structures still on the property when when it was uh, raised.
0: Yeah, yeah, it did. It was really sad. I, I mean, if, if you've seen in uh, David Bettencourt's movie, um, You Must Be This Tall, it was really sad watching that footage that he had shot of uh, it coming down, you know. Um, the thing that I really admired about that ride, of all the dock rides that I've ridden, is that it was mostly built in-house. Um, back then, in, ni- in the 1960s, nobody would dare try to build a dock ride themselves, No Park. They had these different... Uh, outfits, you know, firms that were specialized in that, and they would build different types of theming and so forth, but they were the ones who did it. Now, with that particular thing, they somebody designed that facade, you know, and they actually made the cars, fabricated the, the, the cars themselves, put the track down, uh, the, elec- the electronics and all that stuff. The only thing they outsourced was the scenes inside. They were done by a gentleman called Bill Tracy from New Jersey, who actually uh, was the art, was the art director from from Macy's. He did uh, the Thanksgiving Day oh, floats wow. and the window displays, and he branched out into the amusement park industry, and uh, he that was one of his first jobs. And um, he built all those scenes and, and installed them in his staff installed them in the ride. Then they also had this um, that renowned um, sound uh, amusement park sound company come in and uh, McKenzie. And put the sound effects in but to think that that ride was the rest of it was done in-house that's almost like it's amazing and it's amazing that it it ran as long as it did basically um you know and they, they were able to keep it up with no incidents or anything like that any major you know anything but uh I, I, so i've always looked back at that and at how, how they went about doing that you know with, with just complete almost completely in-house
1: and a lot of the rides when the when the park finally auctioned off and were sold, there's there's so much memorabilia that people have held on to. And in fact, on the website, Rocky Point Remembered, I just saw some people posting tickets and other things just the other day and shirts. But some of the rides were sold off and, and are still operating today, I believe.
0: Absolutely. Um, let's see. There are the... Cyclone Coaster was relocated to um, someplace in Canada. I can't remember it off the top of my head. The uh, Corkscrew Coaster went to a park in Seattle. Um, the Enterprise that you talked about in the first podcast that went to Dixie Landing in Louisiana and still operates today. In fact, they proudly proclaim on their website that they this is what they, they got this from Rocky Point, you know, and because um, that particular model was. Uh, a favorite amongst Enterprise fans that Rocky Point bought. So, um, yeah, so th- those are th- three of the rides, anyways, that we know of. the If you go to Atlantic Beach, uh, you know, Musquamaket, you'll see a carousel there. The horses that are on that carousel are not from Rocky Point, but the platform is. They, they purchased the platform and put their own horses on there. There's, it's a, mi- it's a m- mismatch of different types of horses, some wooden, some not that they uh, had from their previous carousel that was there.
1: Oh, wow. And that carousel ran. I I would have loved to have known how many miles that carousel had done. It, it, I hardly ever was down the years that I worked there.
0: Yeah, um, that is, it was a real cherished carousel. I'll tell you why, because it was called a menagerie carousel. It had, like, all different types of animals. Most carousels, as we knew them, uh, had just horses, okay, but that had, like, Pigs, um, frogs, uh, reindeer, um, zebra, a sea monster—you know, on the outside. So it was quite the quite the attraction because it and, um, it was built, I think, in 1915, and I don't think it originated at Rocky Point. I think it came in 1948 from another park, and I can't I, can't, I haven't been able to research exactly where it was, but that ran there until those animals on that carousel, ran there until 1989 when the park actually arranged for them to be auctioned off, you know, and they were replaced with uh, steel horses, you know, from, th- from that point on.
1: Wow. I remember one of my first memories of Rocky Point. I went with my parents. I was just a little kid, and my dad thought it was fun to play putt-putt. They used to have a putt-putt course there or miniature golf and, you know, other, another name for it. And I got up to the first tee, and I'd never seen golf before, but I'd seen people play hockey. And I reared back, and I just let it roll, and I whacked it really good. And my dad was chasing that ball down the midway. And, of course, you know, those balls will bounce, and it started to hit the tar, and it was gone. And my dad walked up to the guy and said, I need another ball. And he said, well, it's $5. You just lost our ball. <laughs> it was the last time I played miniature golf with Dad.
0: Geez, <laughs> I don't think those balls were worth $5 back then. They certainly weren't. <laughs> yeah, they, but They weren't the type of balls that you hit off a tee or anything like that, no. you know. <laughs> Yeah. But
1: if you've got a guy whose kid just walloped it into the bay, you might as well charge him five dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that actually uh, that opened up in 1948 with the uh, with the park. And oh the, wow. Yeah, I get some pictures on the uh, on the uh, Facebook page that actually showed the original signage and stuff, the vintage. You know, you know that was a real craze back in the 40s. You know, that it was relatively new. I think back then. You know, the thing that uh, was a little unsettling about that is that they. When they installed the Skyliner, you know, the the, the ski lift type of uh, sure. machine, you know, from uh, North Carolina that came out of, uh, it went right over the miniature golf course, you know, and I just, <laughs> it was cruel, you know, <laughs> you know, and um, I just, you know, I, I, that's, why, that's why, like, I, I think I played there a few times before 1966, you know, and after that, I just uh, didn't have the appetite for it, but um yeah, that, uh, that, that was a real classic, and they brought in that, I don't know if you remember, they had that statue there, the fiberglass statue of a guy that looked like Alfred E. Newman um, holding, a, holding a driver, okay, that was, uh, you'll see a lot of pictures of that on our, on our Facebook page, but uh, they, they brought him in, and maybe they expected he was going to scare people on the Skyliner from um, depositing uh, stuff onto the, oh, maybe. the golf course, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: The skyliner that ran off into the woods, and if they hadn't been trimming trees very well that year, you found a few on the way by in that big corner?
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people actually uh, jumped off, you know, at that turnaround because it was low to the ground. And um, they had a uh, welcoming committee for them uh, at the— where they came back down, and tried to get back onto the midway again, you know.
1: <laughs> if they didn't break a leg on the way down, yeah,
0: that I would never would have attempted something like that. No, uh, just, just out of common sense, I guess, you know.
1: Yeah, and a little known fact for those out there that Rocky Point actually had a jail with a couple of cells.
0: Yeah, we got a picture of that on our uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, I, uh, it's interesting, it was kind of like hidden behind the um. Castle of Terror, I think, or maybe behind on the arcade, maybe. Isn't that— isn't Yeah, that the arcade. The arcade. Yeah, yep. that's it. That's it. Yeah, I got confused with something else. But, yeah, there's, there's some pictures of it. Not the inside, just the outside. looked like a little concession stand, but uh, I don't think you're going to find any cotton candy in there.
1: No, no. There was, uh, it was big, huge, um, blue, as I recall it, steel barred. Uh, I, I know we threw a couple of drunks in there at some points, but, yeah, it was— uh, yeah, you know, it was there mostly concert nights where people overdone it a little bit. Put them in there to cool off until the war police could take them away. But yeah, it was uh, it was frightening a little bit to me. George, what's uh, what's some of your favorite amusement parks to travel to over the years?
0: Well, I um, I like Knobels. Okay, uh, a lot of them unfortunately are gone. The ones I used to go to, you know, like we had right in Rhode Island. We had you know across Crescent Park. We had Lincoln Park and North Dartmouth. um... Uh, Whalem Park in up, upstate uh, Massachusetts. So we had uh, Paragon Park. We had a big wooden coaster at, on Nantasket Beach. Uh, at Revere Beach in Massachusetts, there was a park, and they were all gone. But if you current, I used to love them as a kid. I mean, that was just like no words to describe it going out and seeing like a, a different park with different rides and so forth, a different atmosphere. But um, right now, I'd say Cornobals is probably one of my favorite parks to go to because. Uh, it's got a dock ride, a conventional dock ride. It's got uh, two wooden roller coasters, you know, and um, it's, it harkens back to the old days where it doesn't have a fence around it. You can walk right in. You can bring your dog as long as it's on a leash, and you don't have to get an all-day ride pass. You can get you can actually buy tickets, you know, for rides. So if you just want to go on a, f- a few coasters or go on the, the uh, Haunted Mansion dock ride they have there, you can do that. And that's the place where we did a uh, a DVD about. That's the uh, the dock ride, the Haunted Mansion dock ride at Knoebels that we, that uh, my uh, website partner and I uh, did a DVD on in 2007.
1: And, folks, we'll put the, the links to his DVD pages and Facebook pages in the show notes for you as well. George, I want to thank you for coming back and spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life. The Rocky Point history is something that's ingrained in a lot of our audience and revered by many, and uh, I think a lot of folks are jealous that they don't have something like that these days. It's a great time to be in Warwick. For those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit. Stop by George's website and Facebook page for Rocky Point Remembered. We'll put the links on the show notes and see everything we and George has to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in in closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. Lastly, don't forget to check out Warwick Center for the Arts at warwickcfa.org. See you next time.
0: You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.